John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. Streaming live at 710sports.com. On demand everywhere on the 710 Seattle Sports app. Now, John Clayton. And joining us is Travis Homer, running back, Seahawks. And, of course, uh, this is kind of an interesting uh, week for you because here you get to go back to the uh, place that you were in college at. You get to go back to Miami. I know it's a different stadium, but it's where you made your name in the national football, or at least in college. Sorry. Okay. You broke a little bit. Okay. Let's start again. Joining us is Travis Homer. So, Travis, uh, here's a chance for you to get back to Miami, where, of course, you made your name in college football. You made your name, period. And kind of a how, how reminiscent is this to go back to Miami? Uh, you know, it's gonna be it's gonna be a great to be able to go back there. You know, playing the stadium that I played college at. So, you know, I know uh, me and DJ, especially, you know. Uh, playing there is gonna is gonna mean a lot to us, and we're gonna want to do whatever we can to win that game. Oh yeah, no doubt. Of course, uh, that's that's the fun part about uh, you know you and DJ coming out of the same school, same position, different styles though. But uh, you know to get a chance to go back there. I guess the only unfortunate thing is you, once you get there, you're kind of stuck in the hotel, and I don't think you're allowed to visit anybody. Yeah, and no, I mean that's okay though. You know, I mean you know I want to see my friends and family. All it is is a distraction. Not, <laughs> so, and we're gonna do whatever we can to keep our, our minds focused yeah. on the game. I think just this whole situation with being in the hotel is gonna help us with that. Yeah. How do you look back at your college career and DJ's college career because you both did so well and you both got drafted by the same team? Oh, uh, you know, it was fun. It was most definitely fun. You know, DJ, especially coming from a wide receiver. And I had to teach a little thing or two that I learned from Mark Walton and all of them and uh, Coach Thomas Brown. But, you know, it's definitely, it's definitely a great experience to be able to have one of my college brothers on this team with me. I, I mean, I would take it, too, because you guys are so close. You, you spend as much time as you can together. Is that correct? Absolutely. When you look back at your college career, what what stood out? I mean, because obviously when you came here and you were drafted, they talked about what a good runner you were, but also how good you were on special teams. Yeah, you know, I, I feel that special teams is very important. You know, a lot of people made their lives off special teams. And, that, you know, I take that to the heart. Every time, every time I'm on the field at special teams, I just want to work as hard as I can to make sure that I give them. I make sure that they know the reason why they drafted me. Yeah. Well, that's that's the thing. It's like the the running style that you have. I mean, there, there's so much effort in it because you know you you're, you know you try to like run everything at the highest speed possible. You're precise in the way that you make your moves and all those different things. How did you develop that? Um, I probably just say just you know growing up they always told me run fast, run hard. I guess that's just what it was. Mm-hmm. I know just everything I can remember. I've always just wanted to hit the hole as hard as I can. And then, but that's the one thing that's fun watching you is the fact that uh, you know certainly you know you take it inside, but you're so good at getting to the outside and getting, and that's where you're able to get your speed. Yeah, um, yeah, I could definitely use my speed on the perimeter, but you know I, I just want to be able to make plays wherever I am on the field. Take us through all the things that happened uh, this this summer that allowed you to be their kick return guy. How did that start out, and when did you kind of get the feeling that you would get the job? Honestly, I didn't even know. 
they just uh, started repping me some at kit return last year. I didn't think I was actually going to go on. And then when we played San Fran the first time, they put me in. I was like, oh, it's not. And I guess they, they really just liked me there. You know, I'm going to try. I'm uh, trying to play the position as best as I can. And I'm just do what I can. Well, that's the one thing that's, I mean, the challenge in that is that you're, you know, you're replacing a guy that has been considered to be a Pro Bowl return guy in Tyler Lockett. That's that's pretty good, yeah. big shoes to fill. Yeah, for real. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to do everything that he did, but, you know, I'm going to try. Oh, yeah, no doubt. When, when you look at DJ and what, I know he's been inactive the first few weeks, but what do you see from him? Because, again, again, you as you mentioned, he, he was a wide receiver at first, and he was a running back. He catches the ball really well, and he really had a good summer. Um, No matter where he is on the field, just know he's ready. He's going to give it his all, too. So whenever he gets his opportunity, his chance, I just know that he's going to take off with it. Yeah, and, and of course, uh, how much have you been enjoying this offense? Because, uh, you know, Russell Wilson is off to one of the greatest quarterback starts most people have seen in a year where offense is at its absolute peak. Uh, you know, it's definitely, it's definitely cool to see this offense being able to develop to who we know that we are. And, you know, I think we're just going to be able to keep building. And But, you know, we just got to take it one game at a time and stay locked in. How do you look back at the first three games? Because, boy, I tell you what, I mean, you know, first game, only 20 rushing attempts, uh, big rushing attempts in games two. And then, of course, uh, it was set up for Dallas because of their cornerback situation that is probably advisable to throw more passes and runs. I'm sorry. So what's the question on that? Yeah, the qu- question on that is that, uh, you know, you, you look at the first three games, only 20 rushing attempts, and then uh, second game, more runs and passes. And then, of course, because of the Cowboys situation with their cornerbacks, it was advisable to try to pass the ball. I mean, you know, as a running back group, we're not going to complain or nothing. We're just here to do whatever we can for the team. And if that's being, uh, if that's, doing pass protection more in one game, then we're going to do it to our best of our abilities. And, of course, that's the interesting part because, you know, the, the Dolphins, you know, they, they're not the best run-stopping team. You know, they're, they've got great cornerbacks. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see the style. But do you like this style that you're seeing this year from this team in the sense that there's more variety? Some games it's going to be run, some games it's going to be pass. But ultimately, run is such a big part of this offense. I like whatever style is going to help us succeed on the field, and I think the coaches are doing a good, a great job with that. Yeah, no doubt. And of course, uh, it's been fun. How do you, how do you like your role? I love it. You know, I'm getting a chance to be on the field a little more and just show the coaches what I can do and show my teammates what I can do. Well, and that's the one thing too is that uh, it appears that the offensive line uh, is doing a really good job because uh, it looks, you know, they're more they're as physical as they were last year, but also they're winning more battles in the trenches. Yeah, no, I know the boys worked real hard over the offseason. You know, they worked really paying off and they're showing. You know, we appreciate everything they're doing. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do my best to help them out whenever I can, but I know that they're gonna have this on lock all year. Because you're part of this meetings and part of the uh, the roles that you have, how much how good is this special teams group? Because it was young last year, it's pretty much just got about everybody back, and it looks like it's doing even a better job. Yeah, you know, um, it's just another year with us all together. You know, really starting to play off each other as a team, and you know, I, I think we're just going to keep building on that too. 
Mm-hmm. Well, I tell you what, though, it's been a fun start, but boy, the games have been tense as far as uh, you know the comebacks and everything else. But to be three and zero and considered to be the top team in the NFC, that's not a bad way to start. Yeah, but you know, like I said, one game at a time. That's all we're looking at. Well, and of course, it's a game that's going to be special for you because you get to go back to Miami. Hey, Travis Homer, thank you for joining us, and congratulations. Thank you. Travis Homer, running back, and of course, you can listen to the show on the 710 Sports app. It's powered by the Dubin Law Group. Coming up next, we'll get out the report card. It's the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. It's time for the report card with the professor. And the report card we get out each day, we look at the good, the bad, the ugly, the smart, the stupid, what people say, what people do. We take the stories, we take the anecdotes, we take the social media comments and the voices and attach a grade to it. So, DJ Wilder, what do we have on the report card? All right, so first up, John, the NFL has extended their daily testing for COVID-19, where it'll include daily testing during the bye weeks. This is a memo that was sent earlier today. And as a result of this required daily testing, there's kind of a catch here. Players and coaches will not be allowed to leave their team city during the bye week as they receive the daily testing. So, John, what grade do you give the NFL's not new, but kind of a revised plan on the daily COVID-19 testing for the teams? Yeah, I'm going to give it a B, I guess, you know, a B because... You know, they, it's, it's certainly stressing the idea that, uh, you know, you want to make sure you're getting more of a bubble, particularly with the problems you're seeing down with the Tennessee Titans. And, you know, what they're going to do is that there's going to be substantial fine if you miss a test and you get a suspension if you miss a second test. And so it's just basically saying, but the only issue I have with it is what about some of the players who, you know, have signed with different teams or traded to different teams or all that stuff. I mean, that won't give them an opportunity to get back and even take care of family or if their family hasn't moved out here. It really kind of restricts them. But again, I think that you can see with all the situations going on with Tennessee, you know, they want to make sure it's okay. Uh, We want you to stay in town. You can't leave. And, you know, we want to know where you are at all times to make sure that you don't get that positive test. Yeah, I got to give it a C plus just because I I like that they're giving them daily testing and they're going to extend this through bye weeks and everything because that was a worry. They hadn't really yeah. they hadn't really talked about that since teams haven't really had buys yet. Uh but I'm with you, John. How are they going to keep track of these players and coaches for not leaving the city? <laughs> like that that's where I'm that's where I well, get Well, they keep track lot. of them because if they don't get the covid test and of course I'm sure you have to go over to a trailer at a team facility to get it that if you don't uh, if you're not there uh they know you won't be That's there. that's true. I wonder if they'll work something out to if they have to leave for like an emergency or like a family emergency. You know how with the yeah. NBA they're doing it with the bubble like okay, well you can either keep getting tested outside of the bubble while you're away or you ha- you will have to quarantine for 2 days while we test you. So I wonder if that if that might become a fact, but I got to give it a C plus just because, yeah, I, I really like the daily testing, but yeah, like I, I get what you're saying, John, about, you know, keeping track of them and everything. But that to me, that's kind of like, I, I get why that rules in place. But I don't know. It's kind of weird, but I get, I totally get that though. Yeah. Um, so next story here, uh, Steve Smith, who of course, former NFL wide receiver for the Panthers and the Ravens, uh, is an analyst now uh, for NFL Network. He's also an analyst during Thursday Night Football for their pre- and post-game shows. And he has a history of playing against Greg Williams when he was a defensive coordinator against the Saints. And Steve Smith, was, of course, was wide receiver for the Carolina Panthers. And 
the Jets, as you said earlier, John, has six personal fouls on defense. And C. Smith had this to say about Greg Williams. Man, Mike, I, I don't think that's an Adam Gase thing. Just being playing for the Carolina Panthers and playing against New Orleans Saints and not a Sean Payton deal, but that's a Greg Williams deal. That's what he's always known for. That's what he... Um, that's what he wants his players on defense to be. Uh, I know probably some people say, how can you say that? I played against Greg Williams a number of times. That is his defense. His defense is about that BS, and that's how he coaches them. That's how he influences them, and that's what Greg Williams does. And if Greg Williams was standing right here, I would say it as well because I've talked to him about it, I've addressed it, and that's the kind of BS that his defense uh, plays, and he is the captain of that of that uh, that stuff that he does, just straight up. That's that's who he is. Steve Smith not holding yeah, back about no. Greg Williams. So what do you think, John? What's your grade? I'm going to give I'm going to give him a, a B because again I think he's being open, honest. I was listening to him on the, at the halftime last night, and uh, he he's not afraid to uh, take shots. I mean he's going to give you opinions. You may not like the opinions and all that stuff, but the fact that he's so open, and I think that it's great that. Here he is, you know, talking about the rivalry that was New Orleans and Carolina and all those different things and, you know, where he's been and how he basically, you know, you can see just doesn't like him. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm happy that he didn't, you know, let loose and, you know, drop some kind of a bad word on him, but you almost figured he might do that. It's almost like his playing career, John. He was never afraid of anybody, even though he was only 5'9". Yeah. I, I, I didn't want to say small because I'm also 5'9", so I didn't want to say that. But he... He's never afraid. He was never afraid of any defensive back. Never afraid of any defensive player. I, he was always one of my favorite players to watch. So I was really happy to see that he's carrying that over into the analyst side of things now. So I have to give it an A, just because. I mean, he's right about Greg Williams, just because you know he ha- he unfortunately has a history of this. John, we were talking about this earlier that he he just carries a lot with him. If you're going to hire him, like yes, you're going to get a pretty good defense and everything. He knows how to how to find talent, whether it be through the draft or through free agency. How they fit into his system, but with the philosophy and how physical they are, I don't mind. No one really minds physical defenses, but you know they take it to another level to where it's drawn personal fouls. You know you have the whole situation with the Saints. And it's just unfortunate that he has a lot following with him because he is, I think, bare bones, he's a good defensive coordinator. I I think he is. But it's just unfortunate that he has this history with him. But I have to give Steve Smith an A here for not holding back. And I think that always helps out an analyst, too, especially one that's been in the game for as long as he was. I think that really bodes well for someone like him. No doubt. Agreed. Uh, So next story here. All-star point guard Kyrie Irving on a podcast, a boardroom podcast, said earlier this week that he never trusted his old teammates with hitting clutch baskets, and he said he was always, he always felt like he was the best option until he joined Kevin Durant with the Brooklyn Nets. John, I don't, I know that you know this, but Kyrie Irving played with LeBron James for four years, mm-hmm. or three years, excuse me. LeBron James is. Are, you know he's considered the second best player of all time, and Kyrie Irving said he never. He's one of the old teammates. He, he's got to be. He's saying all of his old teammates. He didn't trust them hitting clutch shots, even though LeBron James is second greatest player ever. So, John, what grade do you give Kyrie Irving here? I give him an F. 
I mean, come on, be serious. It's like, uh, you know, if you were, if you was your teammate and all that stuff, and you know that they their relationship was not good. I mean, that's a purpose, purposeful shot at him, and I don't like it. So I'm giving him an F. Again, it's like, you know, recognize, you know, the talent that's there because, uh, you know, you he's been such. I guess you can say maybe a headache, a bad teammate, or whatever it is. But to slight LeBron James, give me a break. I'm going to give it a C, John, and here's why. I don't like. Kyrie Irving taking a shot at LeBron James like this, or even any of his teammates. I don't understand why he has to take a shot at any of his teammates like this, but I think the NBA needs more of this, and maybe just sports in general needs more of players call, you know, talking trash to each other, calling each other out, because I know, especially when you watch the 30 for 30s of any basketball team, the Bad Boy Pistons, you know, you watch The Last Dance, the like the six-part Celtics-Lakers documentary that they released, you know, there was always player rivalries, not just teams, but player rivalries. And maybe this is kind of what not just basketball but sports kind of needs is a player like Kyrie Irving kind of taking shots like this. So I'll give it a C. I still don't like the trash talk, but at the same time, I do like it. So I think it, I think it can be good. Uh, last story here, John. We were kind of alluding to this, man. I really feel like we're trashing on the Jets today, but we just they can't. We, we just can't help it. We They're just trash. can't help it right now. Diana Rossini was on Get Up this morning with sources telling her about Adam Gase's job status. Let's take a listen. You know, at this point right now, CEO Chris Johnson is sticking with the plan, which is to stick with Adam Gase. The bar is set pretty low at this point, but um, from what I can sense, they feel that this Jets team was competitive enough. For Gase to stay in position, yes, there were a lot of penalties and, and a lot of ugly football there, especially on the defensive side of the ball. But I feel like we've seen this all season long, where you get a little glimmer, a little sparkle of Sam Darnold. And that's what Adam Gase's job is to do right now, is to bring out the best in Sam. And this organization still feels like they haven't seen enough. And at this point, firing Adam Gase is just going to set Sam Darnold back. John, I don't want to be mean here, but saying that the Jets, not Diane Rossini, she's yeah. just saying what the sources are telling. The sources saying that the Jets are still competitive enough to keep Adam Gase. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know, John. What grade do you get? Do you give these sources saying and the Jets saying that Adam jo- Adam Gase's job is still safe? Yeah, I mean, I don't buy it. I'm, I'm going to give it a D because again, it's just not logical. I mean, you know, he kept. Uh, you know, he put Beckton in there, and Beckton, uh, you know, is an emergency now. Beckton gets hurt. You know, he managed the uh, Le'Veon Bell situation to a point where he's on injured reserve. Again, you know, he's risking player injuries along with the fact he's not getting enough out of his quarterback. And again, they're playing an 0-3 Denver team at home, and yeah, they can say there's a glimmer of hope. I don't see it. I just see a bad football team. I'm going to give it a B, John. Here's why. Because it's entertaining that the Jets just remain bad to me. I just love it. So keep Adam Gase longer, Jets, please. Because I actually am a little entertained. And in all seriousness, it's an F. Like, Adam Gase, just fire him now. What are, what are you doing? I don't understand what they're doing right now. Like, you have Sam Darnold, a young quarterback. Just he, He's not getting any better against Gase. You can argue he's getting worse. And it's not to the fault of Sam Darnold. It's to the fault of Adam Gase and the staff and the weapon, the quote-unquote weapons that are put around him. So i, I got to give the Jets an F here. Uh, it, it's just so unfortunate to see. 
Yeah, no doubt. It's it's bad. Really, really bad. But, uh, yeah, they're the worst team in football. And maybe, you know, are they thinking of tanking like they, the thought was going to be for the Miami Dolphins last year? Stay in college, Trevor Lawrence. Stay in college, please, if they get the number one pick. All right, that's all the time we got for grades. Okay, and, of course, uh, be sure to check out the professor's notes on 710sports.com. Professor's notes are brought to you by Infinity of Tacoma at 5. Coming up next, we're going to go on the Vizzy Hard Seltzer text line and take your text questions. It's the John Clayton Show, 710-710. It's John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines studio. Two hours every day, 10 to noon. Streaming live at 710sports.com. On demand on the 710 Seattle Sports app. Injury report in for the Miami Dolphins. Uh, they have two two players are going to be out, but the most significant is that uh, they're not, they have doubtful listing right now, which means he's going to miss the game for Byron Jones. And so that groin Achilles not getting any better. So they're going to be down their $16.5 million cornerback. And so a little bit of a break for the Seahawks offense because now they just have to patch and go with a first-round rookie on the other side of Xavier Howard, who, you know, he was banged up to a point where, you know, he was a little questionable early in the week, but it looks like he's going to be able to play. We go in the Vizzy Hard Seltzer text line and take your text questions Text is a 710-710. What do we have? From the 360, John, how many sacks do you see Alton Robinson getting this season? <clears throat> I can maybe see five. <coughs> Could be more, but again, it's like uh, you know, when the sacks are going to start to come is when they start to take on these younger quarterbacks, you know, the Sam Darnolds, and we'll see about Ryan Fitzpatrick. But uh, you know, if they can get five sacks out of him, that wouldn't be bad. From the 509, John, how many receiving yards do you think DK Metcalf finishes the season with? I think over 1,000. I think that because uh, you're looking at the numbers <clears throat> and the way he's going right now, I think both he and Tyler Lockett will get over 1,000 yards. So maybe what it will be, 1,150 for Lockett and maybe 1,050 for Metcalf. From the 425, will Alan Lazard return the 2020 season for the Packers? Uh, <clears throat> I'd say so, yeah, because it's a core injury. So that's going to be maybe six to eight weeks. But boy, I tell you what, I mean, you know, they still don't know about Devontae Adams. I know he's on the practice field today. You know, Lazard kind of came out of nowhere and has had a good start. But uh, they still didn't do enough at wide receiver to make it work, even though I say this. And, you know, you've got Aaron Rodgers scoring 40.6 points a game. From the 425, how much volume do you see George Kill having in week four? Mm, I think. He can have. I think he can get 100 yards because he takes on a Philadelphia team right now that has so many injuries and so many problems that uh, think you know he's going to play without doubt. So I think maybe you know maybe he's modest to say 75 yards, but um, I, I think he can get 100. From the 425, what teams have the most cap space right now, and then which ones will have the most cap space come 2021? Well, I mean, Jacksonville and Indianapolis, they, they have the most cap space right now. Cleveland's right up there. Uh, then, you know, next year, both all, all those teams are pretty well cap-oriented because, you know, they got some young players and young teams and all that stuff. Cap-strapped is going to be, you know, Philadelphia, Atlanta, New Orleans. <clears throat> They're going to really have some difficult times. We'll see about Green Bay. From the two five three, why hasn't Luke Ols- uh, Luke Wilson, excuse me, been involved with the offense at all? Well, because uh, you know he's the third or fourth tight end, depending on where you want to put him in the rankings. And right now, they're using thirty percent two tight ends, but the two tight ends that uh, get in the most are going to be Will Disley and also it's going to be uh, Greg Olson. From the nine oh seven, John, the Seahawks haven't won a game in Miami since nineteen ninety six. Why is that, and is this concerning for Sunday's game? No, it has nothing to do with anything. I mean, remember. Uh, you have 
uh, you know, you almost have to go back to good Dolphin teams, which you have to go back a long way for that. But remember, when you play an AFC team like that on an interconference game, you only get one home game in eight years. And so it's like, uh, you know, so if you lose that game or whatever, you know, then, of course, it seems like you're there forever. But it's one in every eight years. From the two five three, will there be much of a market for Quentin Dunbar after this season if his, if this season's still injury riddled? I would say so, yeah, because uh, I think that you can see he's a good cornerback. Certainly, his numbers haven't been good so far in the limited time that he's played. But again, the numbers for cornerbacks in general are not good right now because of the way the game is. So, uh, no, I think that he'll have a good market. From the two oh six, without Jamal Adams this Sunday, how do you see their the Seahawks scheme being different? Mm, I think that uh, they may have to play a little more cover two, cover two zone, just because again, you know, if Ryan Neal is going to be the uh, the, uh, the other safety, you know, particularly if they don't have Lano Hill, they probably have to play a little bit more cautious, and so uh, that <clears throat> so that could be a little bit more cover too. But still, I think they're going to still blitz. It's the same. They won't be able to have Jamal Adams to be the main main blitzer from the safety position. But hey, you just try to patch it up and make it as easy as possible. From the two oh six, are the Packers the real deal? Uh, right now they are. Yeah, I mean certainly like uh, Seattle and New Orleans and Atlanta and all these other teams, they're getting beat up on defense. Still don't think they're that good stopping the run. You know, certainly their pass defense hasn't been great, but they are they've got Aaron Rodgers as hot as he's ever been. From the five oh nine, even with Chris Carson playing this Sunday, will we see Carlos Hyde get more carries? We could, yeah, because I think they'll be very cautious with Chris because, again, you know, with that knee injury, they don't want to really risk it. I think they want to be very safe about it. <clears throat> so I'd have to think right now that would be the case that they, you know, you may have more carries from Hyde than you do uh, Chris. From the 253, when is Quandre Diggs' contract up and what will his asking price be? Mm, Diggs is up, I think, um, next year. And so it might be a little bit too dicey because he's probably going to ask to go double digit as far as that goes. And so, uh, you know, they, but again, they, at least they still have him. And uh, <clears throat> we'll see about you know, where it goes with Marquise Blair and some of the other guys. From the 206, Mr. Clayton, have the Seahawks tried to get in contact with Clay Matthews at all lately? I'm sure they have, yeah. I think they'll probably make a call once a week to see where he stands on that stuff. Because, again, you still want to get as much pass rush as you possibly can. From the two five three, do you picture Daryl Taylor and Alton Robinson being the two starting defensive ends three years from now for the Seahawks? Mm, who's the other one? Uh, Is Daryl Taylor and Alton Robinson? Uh, no, I think by that time they probably will have another defensive end that they may be grooming to be a starter on all that stuff. But one of the two certainly, and right now you'd think that once they can get him healthy, you know they want to get Daryl Taylor because they think he can be a legitimate starter. But so far, so good as far as what they've seen in the one game that they've had Alton Robinson on the field. From the three six, so Professor, how happy will you be when you will have no more snacks, Harrison and Josh Gordon questions to answer? Uh, I'm okay with that. I mean. <laughs> we'll, we'll get the snacks. Harrison one done <clears throat> probably Monday. You'd like to have answers on the Josh Gordon one, but unfortunately there's no answers. But, hey, as long as it's not Antonio Brown, then I'm fine. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. Josh Gordon for sure over Antonio Brown. From the 2-5-3, will New England's defense give Patrick Mahomes some problems? 
and some certainly in some passing situations, we'll see if he wants to run the ball and throw more screen passes because I think the Patriots can be vulnerable to that. But right now, this is going to be a great test. I think it's one of the great tests of the weekend to see where the Patriots really are. I mean, you saw that they did have defensive issues trying to stop the Seahawks, particularly in the uh, run game. And, uh, you know, there's a better running team right now for Kansas City. But uh, right now, can Cam Newton beat out uh, Patrick Mahomes? I'd say no. From the 253, the same texter actually. What is your score prediction for Chiefs Patriots this Sunday? Uh, I'd say 27 24 Chiefs. It's going to be an exciting game. Oh, I, it's, I, it's, hope. I think it's the best game of the weekend. Yes. From the 253, do you think the Seahawks will draft a left tackle next draft? I think so, yeah. They're going to need to start grooming somebody unless they think that Jamarco Jones is the answer. But uh, at some point, with Dwayne Brown getting older, you got to start thinking about where is that left tackle of the future. From the 4-2-5, will Dallas blow out Cleveland this weekend? <clears throat> I think so, yeah. Although, the only thing is is that uh, you know, Dallas has so many problems on their defense right now that maybe Baker Mayfield can have a good game and put up some points against them. But I think that uh, you know, Dallas should be able to win this one. From the 5-0-9, will Adam Gase still have his job by the time the Jets play the Seahawks? Um... I, I, I'm I'm saying no because again it's like I just I just have trouble seeing it right now. I, you can't continue like this. I mean, you know, the fans are turned off by it. The league is turned off by it. So you know, I think that there's a chance that he could. But if not, it's like what's going on? And that's in week 14. <laughs> yeah, so we got a lot of time for for something to happen. I mean, the way, it, the way it's going, they're going to probably be what one and one and twelve by that time. You would think. <laughs> I just I just want to know who the lone win would be, and I just already feel bad for that team. Uh, yeah. From the two five three, any chance that Justin Fields of Ohio State gets drafted ahead of Trevor Lawrence next year? No, no. It's a quarterback driven league, and Trevor's considered to be one of the best corner quarterbacks to come out since Andrew Luck. No way. All right, it's all the time we got for text. Okay, it's time for our daily. And of course, I was on the busy hard seltzer text line. It's time for our daily dose of the Gras with Dave Grosby coming up next. John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airline Studios. On demand with the 710 Seattle Sports app. It's time for our Daily Dose of the Gras with Dave Grosby. And so, Dave, uh, I don't know, did you watch the uh, Denver Jet game last night? Uh, the timing actually worked out pretty good. I wound up watching the last four and a half, five minutes and uh, saw uh, two 0-3 teams who looked at, yeah. in particular the Jets and Sam Darnold, who just looked, uh, you know, at the end of that game, just looked terrible. I mean, it was funny to think about it as a as a Seahawks fan when you got Russell Wilson, and then as a Jet fan when you got Sam Darnold. And I think in your heart of hearts, you're looking at him and you're thinking, "This is not the guy." And he might be, he might evolve into something else, but right now he isn't. And he looked bad at the end of that game. Um, you know, obviously the pick was terrible, and there could have been another one. Um, so it was uh, it was it was a reminder that when you've got your quarterback, man, you you've got it in this league, and when you don't. Uh, is the difference is just just unbelievable because you know the Jets now are, are in my book they got to be wondering if they made the right choice with this kid and and uh, got to be thinking well we're going to have to uh, use more early draft capital and try and get another one uh, you know the Jets they they made a good point on the broadcast last night I, I kind of agreed with this that no ex player stands over his his franchise like Joe Namath and that was 50 years ago so yeah. I mean it's uh it was it was quite a finish to that game. I mean, Denver is 0-3 as well, and and I, I credit young Mr. Rippon for for giving it all he had. He took some real shots there at the end, but just just a real disappointing game if I'm a Jets fan. 
Yeah, and the thing is, it's like uh, the way you look at it, say what you want. Uh, here's Sam Darnold, one of the top picks in a draft, and he was outplayed by Brett Ripien. Yeah, I mean, he just, and I mean, you know, he, he showed, you know, it'd be one thing if, if it was just unfortunate, if he was, he was getting buried by, by, by pass rushers, if he just had no chance, if he made good throws and the ball, balls were dropped. You know, there's a bunch of ways where you, you don't get it done, you have the same result, but you look at it and you say, well, that's not so bad. But that wasn't the game last night. I mean, Darnold looked terrible. He looked nervous. His passes were high. They were off the mark when it counted the most. So, uh, yeah, he was, he was definitely outplayed. And, you know, they're the Jets at 0-4, and, and you're wondering with the guy with the BDIs how much longer he's going to last. Boy, you got some coaches on some pretty hot seats pretty early, don't you? You really do. And that's, again, part of that's the quarterback-driven league that it is because if you don't have the quarterback or the quarterback's not playing well, you're going to be 0-3, 0-4, 1-3, and, uh, and not have a chance. And so Adam Gaze was brought in with the idea of making Darnold a good quarterback, and it's just not working. And I'm still surprised that they didn't make a change. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, you it's, uh, it's, it's bad news for them, that's for sure. So, yeah, that was uh, that was uh, an interesting watch, and you know, you could even though they weren't, you could hear the Jets fans booing, couldn't you? Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> as, I as mean, they they've should. been doing it long enough there, but it was a good night for for baseball. So, I mean, there was other good stuff going on. It was a wild game between St. Louis and San Diego. Twenty runs scored, and and uh, boy, Fernando Tatis Jr. John is one of the most exciting young players in the game. I talked to you about him during the year, and, and even last year. 22 hit two home runs and and was was spectacular so they've got the rubber game of that uh, that matchup today and then Miami playing Chicago right now and and the Cubs have got to be nervous they're they're an elimination game and Miami the the biggest surprise of all if they can move on to the postseason uh, through the postseason I should say and if they don't they'll play one game Saturday but I thought it was interesting that that baseball didn't schedule any games for Sunday so not going up against the NFL slate this week I think that's real smart <clears throat> what's your thoughts about the A's <clears throat> advancing, and boy, I didn't know this stat yeah. until today. That's the first A's team to win a playoff series since 2006. Yeah, I mean they've had they've had their run of bad luck uh, when, under uh, Billy Bean. They've gotten there. I mean that's the, that's the point. They've, they've they've I think they've played like nine ten playoff games since then, but haven't gotten past it. And look, they go down three nothing in this game. I mean, you know, they the White Sox had a, a Lewis Robert hit a like a 490 foot home run there and, and they're up three nothing and, and the A's haven't rallied much under Bob Melvin and they're certainly their collars are getting tighter and, and they get it done. I, I think that that gives them a big boost going into the next round against the Astros and, and, uh, you know, the Yankees also, uh, had things a little easier against Cleveland than I think a lot of people thought they would. They got the Beaver in that first game and, and they're, uh, they're ready now for their, their second round matchup with Tampa. So you've got, you've got two good, two good matchups in the second round, but, you know, I, I, you know, even though they're in the same division, I kind of root for the A's. They're, they're always the underdog. They've got the worst building. They've always got a tiny little uh, salary, and and uh, you know, it's just incredible hard work by Billy Bean, who no longer has the edge he used to. Everyone's using analytics now. Everyone's doing it the way he's doing it. And yet, even with guys competing on the same level he has, without the resources, he still manages to put together winning winning team after winning team down there. He really does, <clears throat> and he always seems to find the prospects. He does, and then you know makes the smart trades. You know, just finds a way to to get guys who other organizations just don't don't see the value in. And you know, they've got to do it operating on a shoestring, and and he does it. Uh, my money, you know, when we look back at this era, he, he's he's the top executive. I mean, he's done consistently 
the most of the leagues of anyone in baseball. Uh, you know, if he had taken that job in Boston early on, you know, and uh, about, about 10, 15 years ago, uh, and, you know, piled up championships there or, or Chicago on any one of those big money clubs, it'd be, it'd be him that was getting all the headlines. But he stayed in a place where it's very difficult to win, and most of the time he's managed to win. It's just uh, it's a testament to great management, John. I mean, you, you know, you realize that no matter where you are, no matter what sport you're in, it's very hard to be successful if you don't have it. No question about it. By the way, Adam Gase had his <clears throat> from a post-game, I guess post-day press conference, and now he says with the shoulder injury of Sam Darnold, he may have to miss some time. That's a that's probably uh, a blessing in disguise. <laughs> yeah, it could be. Although, uh, yeah, I mean, it may explain then you know why he had the off day, or you know, he's had a few of them, but but uh, that that may make some more sense of his his performance, but. It's still, it's pressure's still on there, still on there. Just like, uh, although I don't, I, I know, you know, kind of transitioning to the Seahawks game this weekend, you know, Brian Flores and the Dolphins are one and two, but they're, they're, they're in a different spot. I mean, even though they've got injuries and, and this is not particularly a good looking game for them on paper, you get the feeling, John, don't you, that they're a team that's, that's sort of starting to move in the right direction. No, I don't think so. I think you they're, don't. no, I don't. And because <clears throat> what we're reacting to, they, they started 0 and 2. They, can't stop on defense. They've got a shaky offensive line, four out of five new starters. They don't have enough weapons on offense. They've got a 37-year-old quarterback in Ryan Fitzpatrick. The only thing that may, makes them look good is they had a good game against Cincinnati, a team that doesn't have any defense. Or, sorry, Jacksonville, a team that doesn't have any defense. Well, nobody has any defense, John. No, that's true. I mean, it's so far in the league. We'll see. Um, uh, it, it doesn't just, just for me and from the way outside, it doesn't feel like it's as desperate a situation as it is for the Jets. No, I agree with that because at least, you know, they went out and they spent money on players. And this year, after spending money on players the year before, the Jets kind of tuned it in and didn't spend much. And I don't, they don't have much. So, no, I think that the Jets are worse because I know when I did my AP vote, I basically had uh, Miami like 26. And I had the Jets 32. I was thinking about taking it down to 33 or 34, but there's only 32 teams. <laughs> well, this is we talked about it at the start of the week. You know, it, it, even with all we've been saying, it feels like it could be a little bit of a trap game. Uh, see that Jamal Adams is out, so the Seahawks are going to be a little a little weak on the defensive side of things again. You know, Fitz, Fitzpatrick is a is a veteran who's capable of big games. I mean, we've we've all seen it, and he's going up against a depleted secondary, so. Uh, as much as they might want to control the game with uh, Chris Carson, who I know is back, and, and Carlos Hyde, et cetera, it, it may wind up being what all the other games have been so far, and that's something of a shootout, although you do have Russell Wilson on your side. Yeah, no doubt. And, of course, uh, on the Miami side, they won't have their $16.5 million cornerback because Byron Jones has been ruled out. Right, well, he's right. Doubt, so, I mean, technically doubtful, but doubtful means he's not yeah, going to play. Yeah, but he's not going to play. So, I mean, it, it, again, you know, it's... The offing is to, is to continue to do what you've been doing, and and uh, and in all honesty, I don't see the Seahawks changing their stripes at this point. I mean, I think they've they found the, their way there. They're going to win this year. They're three and zero with two wins against very quality opponents. Um, I think they've figured out their, their their way of going about things this year, and I don't expect to change this week. No, I I would agree. So we'll see how that goes. And of course, that's our daily dose of the Gros with Dave Grosby. What do you have on the agenda this weekend? Uh, John, just uh, watching football, social distancing, and and getting out for a nice long walk at oh. the end of uh, at the end of the summer. It feels like this is going to be the last night's weekend. Yeah, that's unfortunately true. But enjoy yourself and enjoy the games. 
and Talk the to you on Monday, pal. Okay, sounds good. And of course, uh, I want to thank DJ Wilder for everything this week. DJ, thank you. Of course, thank you, John. And uh, Curtis is back on Monday. Oh, okay. <clears throat> and of course, I'll be back, and I think I'll give you a little congratulations on a little internal promotion that you had, DJ. So thank yes, you. Yes, thank you. And of course, I'll be back tomorrow from eight to nine to take your phone calls, and then come back Monday at ten with Curtis Rogers. It's the John Clayton Show, seven ten ESPN Seattle.